Good evening, afternoon, morning, whatever applies to you, and welcome to another Euro League. And yes, I've had a haircut, you know, just felt like it was time to look like every other single millennial under the sun. So here I am, uh, your host, Rich, as always. And Kira, you will notice that time is indeed a flat circle because you're still here and democracy has failed us yet again. First Trump, then Brexit, now this. But don't say I didn't give you guys the chance. In fact, that pinned comment did get the most ever likes that a pinned comment has gotten. <laughs> but you people did not reach your target and therefore I did not deliver. So he's still here. And until the day that, you know, it reaches 5,000. That could be a perpetual challenge, if you like. I'm feeling pretty confident about it either way. So he's still here, unfortunately. Uh, and we are also joined by a man who... I feel could play James Bond in kind of like a 1960s Casino Royale remake kind of vibe. If that, I mean, take take that, you know, any way you will, I guess. But uh, regardless, of course, it is Mr. Peter Dunn, the current head coach of Team Heretics and obviously former head coach of EG. But we're not going to talk too much about that because <laughs> I'm told that I won't get particularly interesting answers. So we'll just dodge that for now. Uh, but before we get started on anything here, I do have to begin, of course, with my patented Would You Rather. And this week it is pretty, you know, bog standard, nothing too crazy, nothing too PG-13. Make sure, you know, your mum and dad are out of the room. So it goes as follows. Would you rather be able to turn into any animal you wanted at will, but your clothes fall off slash like get ripped up when you do it so when you turn back you're always naked super inconvenient or be able to turn into back and forth between one animal but your clothes always magically reappear upon you when you turn back so what's it going to be any animal under the sun but you always end up losing your clothes so you have to you know cope with that scenario or just one animal but every time you seamlessly go back and forth you're fully clothed again <laughs> kira hit me what are you I doing? can't believe what I'm hearing. If anyone that chooses one has lost their minds, you can pre <laughs> you can you can prep for these situations like so well. Plus, if it's multiple animals, you can't like drown. You can't die in like an aircraft and uh, like an air crash. Um, you can't like if you can go well. to any animal. Like, how are you going to die? Like, it'll be like impossible. You just turn into a bird. Like, you know, what I mean, you've got so many options. I'm not sure. I'm not entirely sure. I agree with that. I mean, for example, I don't know if you know this, but. Boeing 747s, for example, fly at about 32,000 feet. And if you get out of the plane at 32,000 feet, I don't care if you're an eagle, mate, you're dead. So that's not saving you. And how are you going to get the door open as an eagle or indeed a human? I'm not really sure either at that kind of height. So I don't just know. Blue, I, I, just blue wheel up, mate. I, I don't know. I, I feel like you may not have thought this one fully through. Like you say, <laughs> you, can, so you, know, you can legislate for it, sure. But it's like... What are you gonna do? Like, well, I'm going to spontaneously fly over there, so I'll make sure I've got a change of clothes. Like, what are we doing here? I don't know. Anyway, what about you, Peter? What are you thinking? I Any mean, animal or just the one? I mean, what are we counting as animals? Are we counting birds as animals? Are we yeah, counting dogs? Bird, a bird is an animal, yeah, absolutely. Okay, then any animal. Like it's <laughs> clear win, clear win, clear win here. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I, I'm actually taking the other one. I've taken the other one. I'm switching between an eagle or something of that ilk and my human self. And I think after a little while, you'll realize how unbelievably inconvenient it is to lose your clothes every time you want to turn back into a human. Picture this, okay? You're flying to the shops. 
You know, no need to spend money on gas or anything anymore. No need to even have a car. You're like, no problem. I'll turn into an eagle. Now what? You're going to perpetually hide clothes at fucking Tesco's, are you? Like, what is well, what is the game plan? Whereas me, swan in, swan out, no problem. Seamless transition as I walk through the uh, expanding doors and, you know, it, it, no skin off my back. So I, I, I think you would find that little that little piece of uh, annoyance rather annoying but i could be wrong sorry aren't there some aren't there some animals that can live forever because they infinitely regenerate so i'll just turn into that animal at night so i'll live twice as long so uh, you know you may save a bit of time that is true and you be close there's but like I'll those just... uh prehistoric sharks that are technically like living fossils which i do believe don't have a sort of uh life lifespan as it were so yeah you could do that i guess yeah no that, that is a good point like you, you might you might have me there i'm looking at it more from a convenience standpoint but uh yeah meanwhile kira's gonna be trying to fucking open a passenger jet fucking door as an eagle or whatever bro, so bro you literally just you could turn into like a worm and go in someone's pocket and you would survive the crash um that's some jumping in a falling elevator logic to me, I think. No, I'm pretty no, sure if go, you're in the pocket, you're dead. Oh, like. just go something super like small, like low like um weight that's like really dense. There you go. Hmm. Or like an ant. You could turn into an ant and you'd survive. There you go. You know what? On. We'll table this for now and I'll look it up, but I'm not sure how that works. I'm not sure how but that works. I, would, I would obviously Google up and do my research, but there would be an animal. There's so many that could do it. And once you know it, you're Gucci for any hmm. situation. Uh, we'll see. That person could also just, you know, if you're in his pocket, just go, whoops, and you're dead. So anyway... Moving swiftly on, the first thing that I would like to talk about, because we've talked about it a lot, like pre-split and sort of, you know, what we were anticipating in the old format and whatever, but I want to get from a coach's perspective, from your perspective, Peter, what is the new format actually like? Like, how do you actually feel about it? Again, as a viewer, I love it because the round robin stage doesn't last long. It feels like every BO5 is a BO5. BO1 is super meaningful. And so far, you know, the GSL series play has been, like, really entertaining and competitive. So, so far, based on what I've seen, I love it. But, yeah, from your more sort of logistical standpoint in terms of prepping for teams and and players and, and so on, like, how has that been for you? And how do you feel about it compared to the old format? So, I think as a coach, this is the most tired I've ever been. Um, so, we had three-day three splits the first sorry, three game weeks the first year I was in NA. Uh, and the feedback we gave at the end of the year was you shouldn't have teams coming in three days a week. You should have them coming in. Like they should play two days on one, two games on one day, one game on one day and no games on the other. And you could, you can make it work with the schedule. Um, but basically uh, going to three, 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 uh, three games a week is really, really, really rough for prep. Um, but also EU does one to four, five to eight uh, scrim blocks this year, yeah. which which is good because you're getting more scrims, but it takes away all your flexibility. So in NA, when I was in NA, we did five games in a row, and we would we had three scrim days, but I would book evening blocks twice a week, right? So I'd be scrimming, we'd essentially be scrimming eight games, uh, eight games a day. But I could always remove one of those scrim blocks whenever I wanted. Yeah, you know. So, so, um, so it's very hard to adjust for tiredness. And I'll be honest, like five games of scrims a day is probably slightly below what is optimal. But 
you know, add an extra two hours to that, and it's maybe slightly above. Um, oh. So, um, and there's very little flexibility. So, so for, from my perspective, like, I I'm just pretty exhausted. Um, but now we're in best of threes, it's a lot easier. Yeah. Uh, the only the only other thing I would say is that maybe in the future, I hope they consider in future years maybe having one week, one extra week between best of ones and best of threes, and definitely more than two weeks. So if you're playing in the finals of uh, LEC Winter, you will play your next game in LEC Spring eleven days after Ooh. you played your your best of fives. Ooh, I didn't know that. <laughs> That is a bit uh, of a banger, yeah. That is a rough one. Okay. Well, from yeah. MSI, do you mean? No, 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 no. Between winter and spring, so yeah. MSI is at the end of spring. Oh, yeah. Whoa, I didn't even think about that. Holy so, shit! So, so there's only one weekend off, uh, which is, <laughs> which means we're going to have some very interesting spring. We'll have some very interesting spring play because, uh, so, you know, some teams will have more prep time than others and downtime than others. So. Let's see how it goes in spring. But for for the fans, it's great. Um, I quite enjoy the format. I only just wish that you know this was a format with. I think the scrims plus the the extra game is is pretty rough. Um, but you know, let let's see how it goes. If the fans love it, you know, I I'm I'm all for it. And the thing that I really really love is that everything is on the same patch. Yeah, like that's huge. Like yeah. having a full full set of best of ones on the same patch means that you would know what you know what the game plan is. You can't just wait out a bad patch because I think in past seasons, if if you couldn't work out what you wanted to play, you just try to wait it out and tread water. But you don't get the opportunity here, and it really rewards innovation. Like if you look at the top, the highest win rate champions uh, in best of ones, for instance, which was all on the same patch, it was Jax who had like an astronomical win rate but everything else that was like high win rate was you know people's niche picks stuff like darius stuff like um uh cassiopeia you know they're, they're not all teams are playing yeah um and i think that you know this kind of a format rewards innovation so i really love that as well yeah how do you feel about i mean because a lot of people won't know as well like how was the sides decided blue side red side considering you're only playing each team once like maybe maybe you can uh Tell us like how that actually works. Or were you simply just given a schedule like you will play G2 and you will be red side, you will play BDS and you'll be blue side? Like how did that actually work? Um, so it was done at random as far as I can tell. But from what I know, if you played five on red side, you're gonna play five on blue in yeah. um the next split. And so yeah. Okay. And do you do you feel that that's played like a major role, would you say, like in the BO ones? You like do you feel that this patch there has been like a massive obviously because until this past weekend it was like 100 percent win rate on blue side right and during the series play like how do you feel about red versus blue at the moment hmm, hard to say i mean i think some teams are very clear red side teams some teams are very clear blue side teams uh given that we're likely to play we're going to play at least one series hopefully more uh i can't go too much in detail on that but yeah. i would say that there were definitely at the start of 13.1, it was definitely red side favored pretty heavily. And then as the patch evolved, it became slightly more blue side favored. Um, so maybe it had an impact. Um, but honestly, uh, the game's in at the moment, in, because it's so early in the season, right? Like, uh, was so chaotic that I don't think side selection mattered that yeah. much. It was just mainly which side could keep things together in the mid game and late game um, that, that kind of decided placings. 
Yeah. Uh, to, yeah. As a as a sort of outside viewer, I don't really feel like a team was like got what ifed by by the side selection so uh, so far, which is obviously lucky because you don't want that uh, ever called into question. Uh, in terms of your perspective, Kira, like how how do you feel about how the formats played out? Like, is there anything obvious that as an outsider you would want to see changed based on what we've what we've seen so far? Well, this is like the best thing Riot can do because they want like leagues rather than like tournaments. But this is the closest to like tournaments as you can make whilst having like a league system. So like, I think LEC has like the best format, whereas like Eddie has the best playoff because it's just a full double Leland bracket without much like tenure. I think that's arguably the best, but like too many teams qualify, regular season doesn't matter. Yeah. So you've got all problems where I feel like LEC is a matters more like league like your form throughout the total duration of the split matters more at any given time uh i don't know like bo1s and leagues suck they're really shit they're the worst thing about league of legends they've plagued worlds for years they played msi for years as the worst form of league of legends to play they're are they're almost an abstract waste of time to even consider as real League of Legends. I absolutely hate them. And I've watched them for so long that they're so unbelievably fucking volatile. It's unbelievable. Um, but, you know, I actually don't think the LEC winter round robin was, was the worst for it, to be honest. I actually think it kind of showed most teams like true colours. I don't think anyone particularly suffered more or less. Uh, and then the, we have, or we're now obviously in the BO3 stages and we're now in like really super sick territory and I'm happy. The quicker you can get away from BO1s, the better a League of Legends tournament you'll have, for, in my opinion. I think it also, because of the format, it also made throws like much, much, much more brutal. Yes. Like, yeah. for instance, Fnatic throwing their 5k lead against us or us, you know, we base raced SK <laughs> I, I, um, in week one. Like those those losses, you know, really, really stack up. Um, yeah, Excel threw against Fnatic and gave away what actually ended up being like a crucial win for them. Yeah. Uh, like a 10k gold lead or something Fnatic almost. Fnatic against and, Vitality as well. They yeah, had a big yeah. lead yeah, yeah. Baron. But I think throwing and it should be really punishable. I think that, that is like really, really bad if you are throwing like that. Though the way the game's played right now is maybe not actually reflective of how, how easy it can be to throw. Um... I don't know. I'm really impressed with the LEC format. I think Riot have done a super good job. I don't think people actually like give out like praise like duly enough. Like MSI, you know what I mean? They they finally made the changes. Worlds is a different animal. I won't get into it here, but I don't know. I, I, I've never enjoyed watching LEC as much as this year. I think it has been amazing. I don't even watch the production just knowing that all the games matter a lot. It was really, really sick. Yeah. That's all really good I think that for me, that's like the biggest thing is there are so many games prior to this season where I'm simply like, it's time to get food because SK are playing BDS and I really don't care what happens in this game and it's so low impact. Again, it's not that I don't care about those teams. It's that I know how they're positioned. One of two things will happen. Either they're going to stay at the bottom 
and I do not care. Or they're going to be like in one of these late surge positions where come, you know, the final weeks of regular season, then there are some exciting games. But essentially, there's a lot of games which felt like dead rubbers, even if they weren't technically dead rubbers at the time. I think this has basically eliminated that. And what's actually funny, I think I said this last time as well, the only game I didn't watch in real time was G2 versus Vitality. And that was at the time when both teams, I think, were either undefeated or only one team had lost, something like that. And I actually didn't care. Like, it, as weird as that seems, it's like that would have been in the previous format, the most hyped matchup, because you're just like, well, I just want to see two good teams play because this result won't impact much. But this time it was just, well, these two teams are both qualified and actually I don't care. So, yeah, I, I think that the, the format has definitely been a good thing overall. Um, one and, thing to add just yeah. about the format that's super sick <clears throat> from Riot they didn't let teams regain upper bracket status from BO3s. They didn't reseed the teams that lost in BO3s into a new BO5 bracket with another lower bracket. As in, like, when you win from the lower bracket in the BO3s, you stay in the lower bracket for yeah. the BO5s. That was the correct decision. Regaining the upper bracket status for another set of, like, BO5s would have been... It, it's just not the correct thing to do. It's, I've seen it before in Dota. It's not fucking healthy it's really 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 like bad just don't do it right i actually made the decision to feed and seed the team once again into an upper lower bracket because again it makes the bo3 section matter more the more you can make like you know previous form and previous results matter i think that's healthy for a format the other thing I would add is the longer you extend on the same patch, so I said this before, but I can go into a bit more detail on this. The longer you play on the same patch, the more you're rewarded for innovation. Yes. Right? And normally we only see like these massive innovations being rewarded at Worlds, you know, like the MF support pick back in the day or things yep. like, uh, uh, I'm just trying to think what was played at Worlds this year. But, the, you know, the, the, meta, the meta develops and then you get to attack the meta. Um, and the way that LEC has now extended their regular season, uh, you know, even if it's only by one week, uh, gives more room for innovation, gives a lot of rewards for it. So I think that's also something that should be credited, right? Like, um, it makes the games more interesting. It makes the games more chaotic. It makes Pikman more important. So, you know, I, I, just on the coaching side, I love this thing, even, even leaving aside the entertainment value. Also, I feel like there's more, in a way, a little bit more mystery going in because you don't have as big a sample size on teams. And most teams, like, obviously, it could be one of two things or both. That actually, a lot of the teams are fairly close, which I do think is probably the case. Um, mm. But I also don't have a big enough sample size to be confident in my picks that, no, this really is an A-tier team. This is a B-tier team, team and so on. And I think that is interesting going in. Because speaking of which, obviously the first thing I want to talk about here in terms of the matchups was your series with Vitality, which I think going into it, a lot of people would have heavily favoured Vitality, but it actually ended up being kind of like a classic a best of three in a sense where it's like they heavily dominated one game, you then heavily dominated the second game, and then the, the rubber match was super exciting back and forth, who's going to win, and obviously unfortunately you guys didn't come out on top, but that was a really entertaining series. And it was close, right? And both teams looked like they were pretty evenly matched. So my question, obviously, to you on this one, Peter, is what do you ultimately feel? And I know it's tough in, in, a, in a series that was so back and forth, but where do you feel like you guys fell short? Or like what controllable aspect do you feel like could have been better that would have tipped it for you? Oh, I mean, I could, I like, so we were asked this um, from the fan side, so I can just repeat basically what I said there, which yeah. is that um we had a miscommunication on baron 
because we assumed we pushed a bot wave that we shouldn't have pushed because we assumed it was 30 seconds earlier, right? Like, which sounds okay. like an insane mistake to make, but um, but that that ended up costing. Um, so they were able to sneak Baron. Um, and then there were two like miscommunications uh, in mid game, which uh, I think were partly language barrier, but it's not like people couldn't understand what they were saying to each other. It was more the nuance, right? So how are you going to play with a TP flag? Uh, we kind of cross wires there. So it was very disappointing, obviously, from our side. I mean, this is something that's always going to happen with this roster. Uh, I think you mentioned this in the preseason. You know, I, I'm on the show to try to sell some magical pixie mm. dust. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but, uh, but no, no, it's the problem that a team like Heretics has and a team like Vitality, in fact, as well, is that we have a lot of players that. Um, how should I say, like to push their limits. Um, and <laughs> if you can't communicate in the instant uh, and get everyone on the same page, you're just going to int, right? Like it's sure. going to look awful. Uh, and I think that kind of cost us. It's not something which is new. You know, we've lost, I think, three games in regular season in this way. Uh, the Mad Lives one where we where we could have, we should have been able to close. Like you don't yeah. finish the game, take two inhibs, reset. You're then, then you, then you win. The SK game where we, tried to base race them for some reason i can't even fathom why we would do that and the bds game where obviously yankos had an insane early game and we we threw it in multiple ways so this isn't a new thing this is something that you know obviously is at the back of our minds going into the remaining best of threes and it's something we just have to clean up uh now obviously time heals these kind of things but you know it's we don't have time we have to work out what our solutions are going into this weekend and hopefully next weekend um so that's what we're working on this week do, do you guys have like a a sort of more or less set system for communication i mean i've spoken about this plenty of times before but yankos is a player that whenever i i talk about having worked with him for multiple years is someone who i always use as like a yardstick for communication i think he is an excellent in-game manager and communicator and can sort of fill even multiple roles of communication if you've got someone who's a, a slightly less talkative support for some reason in uh in the quadrant sharing and so on like how do you uh obviously you've sort of indicated that there may have been a, a, a something lost in translation or something like this and it's no secret that obviously you have two players who english isn't their first language what is the communication like on heretics and is it the ankos who's taking the lead primarily yeah i think i think it's fair to say yankos taking the lead um i would say uh, in terms of shot calling, um, when we talk about shot caller, there's often two different types of shot calling, right? There's structured structured shot calling and there's opportunity shot calling, right? So, um, and I think that over the past few years in G2, Yankos has mainly, you know, obviously as a jungler, he has to control the early game, but it's not been his job to like build the structures in the in the the mid game, which is kind of what he's being asked to do on Heretics. Um, he's more had the opportunity to say, okay, I'm going to do this, but how we play macro and things like this is normally was normally handled, I think, by other person, and it's some it's a role he's trying to grow into, and it's something which, uh, you know, I, I'll be frank, uh, Yankos had realized that he w wanted to take on this responsibility for the team because, you know, somebody had to do it, uh, and uh, it. You you know Jack and Mercer are still reasonably inexperienced, yeah. Uh, and I think that you know that's kind of impacting his own performance. Um, 
uh, in that regard. Uh, so obviously we're grateful that he's fulfilling that role, but he's being required to be more structured in his comms rather than, you know, going for those instant kind of plays, which is what makes Jankos such a fantastic jungler over the years. Hmm. Um, so obviously, hopefully other people can grow into that role as the season progresses. Um, but uh, but yeah, uh, th that's a role that we need Jankos to fill for the time being, and he's filling it well. Yeah, and from from your perspective, Kira, like, was there anything about this series that didn't go to expectations? Like, what did you think was yeah. going to happen before before watching? They double picked red side. They like knowing everyone like uh, your Peter Dunn's team decided that they were going to prep for red side, which is I like it. You know, like you try something different, doesn't work out for you in the end. It was close. A couple of things didn't go your way. Got unlucky in a couple of places. Um, but was it the? Was it, do you think it was red side that didn't work? Like hypothetically, again, uh, you can't really do all things are equal, right? But if you flip the sides, it's. I mean, it's not like you think they would have won if they no, had blue side, right? I think they. I think there's a lot to be gained for prepping for like the opposite side of what how everyone else used the game. They were the first BO series, weren't they? The first BO three <laughs> yes. series. These were the first BO three series. So obviously I'm not part of like the EU scrim meta. So but I wouldn't know what like how people think about like a preference of like sides and how people like prep or maybe you could tell me, Peter, can you do like a full five set of like red side games where you <laughs> you and another team just play five? No, okay. exactly. There we go. No okay. So I don't know. I, I think I think it was really, really hard for and for me to see a version going into this of heretics that beat Vitality, but they almost actually like it almost actually happened. So it was interesting to see. I, I actually think in the playoffs so far, um, what I talked about earlier, Rich Bo was the first person to somewhat suffer for this, where the like inexperienced junglers in Europe, like uh. As the season go on, can they get like figured out? Yeah, I don't. Boas looked terribly good in either of the series that he played, yeah. and I think he looked a lot worse against Jankos, to be honest. Um, in general, um, he had a couple of he's had a couple of horror games in uh, so far in playoffs. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm I'm not um, sure, I'm not sure how much I would necessarily attribute that to be to him being like figured out because I feel like even if he plays conventionally. He should be able it's to not so much it's not so much it's not so much figured out it's like the idea of like what vitality think Bo should be doing and other teams looking at it and like counter you know what i mean countering it um i think it's look on you go peter sorry but i uh, but i mean i think vitality have the same issue heretics do now like they're also going to have communication problems yeah. and who's 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 are going to fall on the most it's going to fall on the people uh who have to provide that link those links in communication right so yeah, this is why i thought it was obvious that like in the end like even though i thought i i didn't think it was going to be the best version of the team and the immediate one i thought like if perks playing for both advantages okay would have been a better overall way for and for that team to play but i can understand why the way it worked out where uh, Perks is bringing Bo to like himself and his lane and playing for Perks because I, I can imagine in that team Perks is the most talkative player and he's the one coordinating the team from all my systems and so that's the easiest way for that like for that game to pilot itself like from my takeaway like I don't see Bo talking all that much I could be entirely wrong and this is something I was going to ask you Pierre in like the modern game of like League of Legends could you have like 
imagine like a team playing with a jungler that can't communicate and control early game and like talk to like the team and be able to like direct the team. Can you imagine that as being like, or like do you see it as being like I do? Like it makes the game a lot harder, more a lot more difficult. It can be a lot harder, but you know, Kanavi manages it on JDG. So I mean, it's not impossible. Um, so he's also you know, been there a lot longer, and the original, of course, of course. And the original Kanavi was also doing like doing it in a much different way, like between like the iterations. Like Kanavi of like the Zoom era is a very different Kanavi to the one that's like playing now, or even like yet like yesteryear, in my opinion. But I know what you mean. Sure. I mean, it's hard, right? Remember, I talked about the structure shot calling versus opportunity shot calling. It's much easier to be an opportunity shot caller if you are not um, if you're not speaking the same language as the rest of your team. If you're expected yeah. to provide the structure, then it's really, really difficult. And I don't really know what's going on in Vitality. Like, I, I couldn't tell you how they structured their comms at all because um, I've just never worked well. Kaiser is not a primary shot caller, right? So, yeah. but I haven't worked with the other four, um, so uh, so it's hard for me to judge uh, from yeah. behind the scenes. I think, as I've I've always said with this Vitality roster, that to me, even in like the games when they were winning a lot at the start and so on, that their the ways in which they win didn't seem like super reliably replicable to me, and that if there are things like lack of communication in key areas like even though the the jungle mid has looked really good at certain points or whatever i just feel like when you get into the best of series these things really matter a lot and i feel like it's a, obviously a bit of a cliche but there's a lot of individual pieces that will work very well sometimes but they do feel like individual pieces i think photons look really good but i don't think he's looked particularly connected to bow and what bow's doing bow's focus has obviously been very heavily around perks and at times they've looked very coordinated when that's even looked a little bit off perks just inting like i mean there's also been a couple of games where bow's also just been straight up uh inting as well obviously but kind of like staying relevant if that makes sense in a sort of almost like quasi Oduwamne way where he loses lane and then you're like holy shit this guy's still controlling team fights kind of thing but I just feel and then bot lane's been like really inconsistent they've had some games where they've looked really good and they've had somewhere they've looked like one of the best worst bot lanes in the league but still won some of those games through bow and mid and so on so I think it's a team that's very uh eclectic and erratic and uh, this is why I, I preface like before I'd even see them play. This is the team for me. And when we were doing our power rankings that had the biggest volatility, I was like, I'm going to go over sixth. That's the lowest I'd have them, but they could win. Uh, having seen more of them, even though they had a better start than I thought they would, I feel even more strongly now that they will not win. I feel that once they get into the best of fives, they will not win. I do not believe that that construction of players can navigate through a series when another team another team is adapting to what they are doing i just don't i don't buy it I'll, I'll, i'm happy to be proved wrong if that's the case but i just don't buy it so for me i'm not saying they're you know fraudulent or anything i think they're exactly what they look like they look like a crazy erratic team with really high skill ceiling but i think it's a candle that burns hard and fast and i just don't see that as like a, a sustainable way of playing the game so that's that's kind of how how i see them um Obviously, we then go into the sort of what is was a litmus test, I guess, for two teams, which is the Koi Vitality series, which Koi won fairly comfortably. And I, you know, I'll say what I said again on Twitter. To me, this just looks like Koi just look like a team who, when they get their shit together, they look like a really good team who've just randomly downgraded their top laner a bit, uh, which 
you know because again here's again this will be my mini rant i'm not going to go on too long about it but you bring in segenda presumably (laughs) presumably because the international ceiling increases i guess because in theory he can play carries right like better than Otto, apparently i guess the problem is he's had ample opportunity already to play carries and i think i'm correct in saying that without exception has looked horrible every time he's tried to play carries so then what you get is segenda playing Oddo's role not as well as Oddo, and in certain games playing again just making heinous errors and just doing the job to and by the way i'm not saying every game he's played is bad he has had some good games don't get me wrong but i'm more hung up on this idea that you brought this guy in for very specific reasons presumably it's not like he's a fucking god tier shot caller or anything like that and it just makes no sense at all so i'm frustrated in the sense that i believe if the five-man lineup had stayed the same there would only be two two winners, potential winners in in winter, Koi or G2. And I'd probably favor Koi just from having been together longer. And now I'm just like, maybe Koi will still win. But if they do, I don't care. And they won't do fucking anything internationally because that guy can't even play weak side properly, let alone carry. So what what was your take on on this series, Peter? Like having played Vitality as well, like did you expect this result or or what did you think going into this? Uh, the thing about Koi is Koi is a really good litmus test for bot lane. Um, if your if your bot lane is not at least at the level where they can match Koi's bot lane, you're not going to win the game. Um, and uh, you know, neither SK nor Vitality passed the test. Um, now that doesn't mean that Vitality or SK, well, hopefully they won't make a low bracket run because we'll be making the low bracket run. But let's <laughs> but let's say let's say it doesn't mean that Vitality or, or SK can't make a low bracket run and get a rematch against uh, Koi and maybe win. But if they're going to, you better you better be better in the 2v2 bot um, because you are not beating Koi if you cannot at least match them in the 2v2 bot um, because they're so good. Trimby and Malrang are so good at controlling the game from ahead. Um, how they play around Vision, how they lane assign with their supporting players, right? Like the, the jungle and support in the mid game. So, and they're so consistent that they don't really let you back in games when they're, when they're playing on form. Um, that they're that they're already winning unless you do absolutely crazy things. So, um, so I think that's kind of my thoughts on Koi, uh, on Vitality. I mean, we may be playing Vitality next week, mm-hmm. but obviously, certain players in that Vitality team didn't have a good performance against Koi. Um, You're not I in won't... SK, yeah. SK. No, no, Koi Vitality. Koi Vitality. Okay, and I mean, basically, oh, okay. what? Oh, sorry. Yeah, Barbara. and I mean. And what happened against SK is that they picked Silas, Silas Ajwani and camped the shit out of mid two games in a row. So, I mean... Um, <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was saying that, I was like, oh, God, have I messed up? No, okay. I, felt, I, felt I, felt a bit bad. I felt a bit bad for Certus in that series, but, you know. What do you, uh, what do you think the win condition should have been for Vitality going into this series? Like, how if you were coaching Vitality, like what, how would you have approached the series against Koi with those players? <laughs> Again, all, all like I'll say the same thing that I've said against Koi. Okay, you have to win the two v two or the three v three bot, right? Like, so pick appropriately uh, and play appropriately, um, because if you don't, you're not getting back in the game. So I say I would say that is what Vitality needed to do in two Koi. I think they uh, lost their minds. I genuinely think they lost their fucking minds in game two. I couldn't believe what was being picked on my screen. 
And and the thing was is they even actually got played so hard in the bot lane play. Like I can't believe like they thought that that was like the way back into the game that bot lane play. And like the rogue bot lane sold it so well. I felt like it was yeah, like fucking. True, stra- yeah. I felt like I was tracking Oakmon on the phone to me, selling me fucking penny stocks. I was watching fucking Bull run bottom on Nedley to his fucking doom, and Malrang's just sitting there rubbing his hands together, like coming to the trap. And I was like, no. Please don't, don't go there. You've already lost. If you lose here, the entire game's and the game's over. I mean, like, I, I this, this is like going to be an unfair generalization, but I feel like when a talented Eastern player is playing in the West and in series play, like he locks Nidley, I just feel like it's hubris. Like I really just don't like that conceptually, like at all. I think it's like almost disrespectful, and I think. The, yeah, one of the problems is, is like, I mean, yeah, obviously they got like massively baited there or whatever, but at a certain point, he kind of has to make some stupid plays to uh, try and get back in the game on that useless champion. Like, I don't know. It, it, to me, yeah, I was sat there thinking, oh, they've just had your pants down. But at the same time, I was like, actually, what is he going to do? Like, is he going to go back top from base? Like, what's he actually going to do? He's playing Nidley. Like, this is really rough. So to me, that was like, I don't want to say lost in draft. I think that's too extreme, but it was it was a weird one. Sorry, go on, Kira. But like, I, I was pretty sure as they lost, Vitality lost on blue side, okay, and then they were like, "Fuck it, it's time to go red side." Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, they did right, but they had literally just played against like Yu's only winning on blue side. Like, well, I don't know what they were thinking. Just pick blue side. It's not so. It's where you're tried and tested. And then they open with Nautilus Nidalee. And I was just like, what? Is this their miniature version of, like, fucking Renekton Nidalee from yesteryears? Where you lock the person in place and you hope to God the spear lands. Like, I don't know. I was... I could not bear to witness... To, to just witness that entire, like, thing. It was just... It was too much to, for me to handle. I, I, I feel like there was a... I don't know who to blame, because I don't like blaming coaching staff, because I don't know what any of them doing. But there was a meltdown somewhere at Team Vitality because I've, I, the, res, the response to pressure was interesting. Yeah, okay, this is pure conjecture, right? I, I have no reason to believe this whatsoever. This is pure conjecture. To me, that Nidley pick is a player pick. That is Bo saying, I want to play this. I find it almost inconceivable that Carter or anyone else was like, you know what? Let's go Nidley first rotation here. Like, I don't believe it. Again, I haven't seen the scrims. That's pure conjecture, pure guesswork. I don't think that was a planned thing. I think that's Bo's lost the first game. Maybe he's a bit frustrated. And he's like, give me that fucking cat lady. I'm going to carry this game. And it's just, yeah. And it's it's not it's not planned out. Again, pure guess. But yeah, sorry, go on, Peter. Yeah, I mean, from my side, I think they just got unlucky. I think they should definitely run it back in the low bracket. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Can I say one other thing? The, we're talking about litmus tests. I genuinely think, I, because these, this was one of these series, this is one of these iconic Maorang fan series, Rich, right? Okay? Yes, Where, definitely. And uh, you're talking about litmus tests, right? I'm telling you, Maorang is one of my favourite players for one reason. He is, the, he is the litmus test of whether or not people actually understand what to do with jungle and EU, like, at all. And you... Watching folk and serially just fail this test in EU, it just gives me so much... I'm t- like one of the only people that actually passes it very often is Yankos. By the way, Yankos is one of the only people that like whenever Malrang tries some of these funny businesses, Yankos just hands his arse back to him, right? But my God, the folk panic against this guy and just like there was even like a play topside where um, Malrang's like 
five kills up, massive shutdown on Zin Zhao, and he, they're like fighting over like a red buff as like a uh, Koi, and they it's so hard not to say rogue as um Koi, and they like all die to like Olaf or something, right? And they throw away like thousands of gold, and it doesn't even matter. And none of it even matters because like the enemy team's composition way back into the game's already closed off. Like it, the only time like where your champion picks mattered, like is gone. And like uh, Koi just got to coast their way just slowly into a winning game where like I just, I, all the pieces just kind of like fell into place. I like, did die a I was little so, bit. Pointed so on Team Vitality's game two. It was one of those parts that made my soul die yeah i did die a little bit inside just because i knew what the reddit narrative would be about maorang again after the series like Bo, the prince that was promised essentially against you know maorang the original psychopath and i'm like oh no he's not even trying like he's just walking into him like when he went top oh no pain painful painful series. i would say thing that we need to talk about is the vitality bot lane has got pack problems it really yes. does it, it, gen it like it genuinely has very bad pick problems and even not even just pick problems execution problems like around like they're picking things and i'm like okay you're you're doing it no no that's that you're not playing it properly oh you, you've been like 2v1 killed again level one it's like as patrick and target somehow made it to the fucking playoffs why you is know, this happening on my you know it, what it the, there's a couple of problems i think with the vitality bot lane right now one is that I think Neon just spent way too long playing only Yumi comps and that guy's brain's just fried when they try and play something like more conventional. And then you've got Kaiser, who once upon a time when El Yoyo, I assume again, conjecture, but I assume El Yoyo was helping to sort of micromanage his uh, leaving lane moments, now has Bo, who I do not believe speaks much English and is really heavily more focused on mid. It, he doesn't seem to be as impactful when he leaves the lane and Neon doesn't seem to be uh even safe when kaiser leaves the lane or leaves him in lane so i think they had do have issues there they have had some good games like it's not been an exclusively bad thing it's not like i mean patrick targamas like I, I get your comparison but ultimately it's not a fair one like that's, that's a new new wow. level uh, sorry go on peter but i mean we won't be seeing patrick targamas anymore right five minutes literally five minutes before we came on air it was leaked that uh they replaced targamas with limit yeah, for next week. So, so that's interesting. I, I will, I will, I will not be um, engaging in the discussion of that. Yeah. I don't believe in conjecture and rumoured. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will, I will say that I don't know anything about Limit in terms of like a personality or a voice or anything like that. What I do think is that team desperately needs a second voice. So if he's not a second voice, they're in serious trouble. And I've also not really been particularly impressed with his gameplay outside of that, like, one split on SK where he was, like, really good for a bit. I think maybe that, that was even the split where self-made was, or I'm not sure. But um, he had, like, one very good split, and the rest to me was kind of underwhelming. And I think the fact that, you know, again, this is a bit of MMA maths, but when he was on, like, BDS and it was going really badly, he got benched for Erdot. And it was still going really badly, but not quite as badly. And that guy's never been seen again. Like, that's not, like, the best sign I mean, of, like, recent form, but... I mean, all I would say is that, you know, Excel released their voice... Did you see this? I got the them, Excel, I got their voice comps. Yeah, yeah, they they, they released their voice comps for the entire game. And it took them more than an wow. hour to, to take it down. So, obviously, every team has them, right? Yeah. Um, and the way that it looked is like Xerxes and Odo were basically doing all the all the talking. Yeah, like I maybe know, Xerxes controls the entire yeah. like controls the entire game. 
And I mean, how can you how can you put your voice comms right on on Top jungle? <laughs> no, I, I mean literally they they put. I'm not talking about clips from voice comms. They literally yeah, put the like, entire yeah. full full clip voice comms. So obviously it's been really good to have that. I can just give it to my to my players in the LVP team and say, look at this, study this, learn from this, right? Um, and so so yeah, it was just interesting. I I mean obviously I'm I'm glad that they did it. Um, but but I mean I mean it was obviously deliberate, right? It's on the official channel. There's no way that they did that accidentally. They just saw the backlash and then decided to take it down. So, but it was just interesting because you mentioned the voice comm thing because, you know, it's hard for me to, it was just a single game, right? It was only the ninth yeah. game of the season, but it was very clear that Xerxes was doing 80% of the talking, 70% of the talking, Odo was doing about 20 and Vito was doing about 10. So mm. maybe also limit provides like... In that voice comm as well. Yeah. Sorry? You can also teach players about listening from those voice comms as well. That would yeah. be my that would be my biggest takeaway from those voice comms. If anyone has them, is don't uh, Zexy's calling is like a one really good focus on point. I only address this slightly. Um, but listening and what actually listening to what people actually saying and understanding, not just sitting there and like having the noise enter your ear, like thinking about what the person's actually saying. Because when I I was really taken aback. By like those voice comms. Yeah, I mean, obviously these things aren't binary, but I feel fairly strongly that there has to be some kind of voice in the bot lane. I especially think that in a meta where there's so much focus on bot lane potentially, and there's so much dive potential on both sides, like I just feel there has to be someone who is feeding information back effectively to the rest of the map. So yeah, I, again, I don't know much about Limit from that perspective. Maybe it's a perfect match or whatever. But the other thing I would worry about is there were two main issues, right? One was probably that. Again, somewhat conjecture because I don't have access to all the comms, but I don't feel like there was a big voice that was leading that lane and prepping the rest of the map or informing the rest of the map that this or that may happen. And the other thing, very simply, they, they were terrible in the 2v2. Like when no comms at stages of the game where no comms were needed, they were horrendous and regularly getting 2v2, 2v1, etc. So Limit does not strike me particularly as a good laner. And I actually feel, as I said, in his one very good split, I feel that he, the, the boon of having Limit was actually what he was doing outside of lane during laning phase. So I still really worry about that for them. But time will tell. Like, I mean, maybe they should just figure out a completely different way to play the game. Or maybe there will be a patch between, you know, the splits and it will no longer be a bot-centric meta. And actually, it won't really matter. So we will see. We will see. Can I highlight one more thing, by the way, as Larson's play just across the two series? Larson's a lot better from his round robin. Return of elite Larson. His kingdom is no longer crumbling. He has reached imperial age and age of empires. Finally researched the technology required to win the game. Congratulations, Larson. You have done it again. As humanoid has went full Stevie Wonder. Caps is looking meddling and perks falling off a cliff. Larson stands above all. Consistent as always. I mean, well done, Larson. He was good against Vitality. I mean, against uh, SK, he got, no, he, he got a bit of help. He got a bit of help against Peter SK. Dunn, he, was playing, he was playing Silas against the SK Gaming. Oh, sure, sure. He, he, he crippled himself. He was going easy mode on them. He's like, give me Silas and I'll show you I'll show you what I could do with even better picks. I would that say, I would say yeah. though, with Larson is I don't care about anything Larson does until it's like the big 
uh, best of series against the the other teams which are like touted to win. And that's not, by the way, some choky narrative or whatever. Yeah. It's simply that when other teams understand the map better or as well as Rogue, uh, Koi, sorry, I think he does really struggle. I think he does. He is still weak on side lanes. I don't think he has like a full skirmishing understanding of how to respond to what's happening in River during laning phases and when the jungles come for 2v2. Like I, I don't think he is strong there and I don't think... That I think Vitality, apart from anything else, just had like a big off day because typically they have been good in the jungle mid 2v2, but I think they yep. just didn't play well. And obviously there's communications and stuff like that. But I, I don't think Larson's weaknesses have yet been tested this split. And I'm not saying he hasn't improved. I'm certainly not saying that he can't improve in those areas. But every time, I'm kind of the opposite. Like every time I'm like, okay, Larson is now a fully rounded mid laner who has no holes, <laughs> there'll then be a series where, oh, never mind. He actually never, just forgot how to play sideline. He just I, can't I, play I doubt you'll ever be that thing that you're talking about. Because no, like, it's very hard for any player to like, like be that thing. Oh, of course. I'm, you, I'm just saying that he, he's basically coasted through two series where his weaknesses <laughs> were not pressed on at all. So I'm just saying, hold your horses a little bit before uh, re-anointing him. Um, but anyway, so in the, I don't even know what you call these rounds, like, what is this like lower bracket i don't know whatever lower, your, lower bracket your, round one. your next game your next series is against sk gaming and the reason uh -huh. why i feel this is pretty interesting is if you were to sort of like aggregate both teams performances over all the games that you guys have played so far i think most people would say that you've had like similar showings i think that's kind of fair maybe like sk Maybe it looks like a little bit better in the BO1s. And I think you guys showed like a lot in your series against uh, Vitality. Um, so I, I think a lot of people would see it without any added context. as like, you know, maybe a sort of a 50-50 matchup or whatever. Like without obviously giving anything away about, you know, what you guys plan on doing against them or anything like that. Like how do you view SK as a team holistically? Like what, what do you like about this team? What, what do you maybe not like so much about this team? So I think that they've got a lot of talented players here. When I was in NA, I was, you know, big follower of Irrelevant, big follower of Makud. You know, those are players that I respect a lot. Obviously, X-Kick is, <laughs> like, X-Kick was the guy that I thought would be the next up-and-coming AD Harry in the league three years ago, but yeah. I haven't watched ERLs closely enough. Uh, I remember he used to be called, like, 15-year-old Kazi mm -hmm. is what he used to call himself on the ladder. So Kazi was my AD Harry at the time, and I was like, who on earth is this guy? <laughs> like, I've, I never... And then that's how I, that's actually how I found out who X-Kick was. Um, so these are all players that I've known, I've known for a long time. Um, I would say that I've been surprised at how quickly they've gelled, but it's worth saying with SK that they started scrimming a month and a half before most uh, LEC teams. So, you know, Fedus, you know, they, they mm. put in the hard work. They're being rewarded for it now. Um, in terms of how the matchup goes, I mean, it's worth saying what happened in the best of one regular season, which is that we had one of the worst base race calls I've ever seen in my, my coaching career. And <laughs> which then led into not only was the base race call really bad, it then led into a split call where we then panicked. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then the game ended from a position where, I mean, we looked pretty decent. Um, but so obviously, you know, I, I think this is how the game is going to go. It's going to be very chaotic from our side and SK are going to be a little, a little bit more structured. They have a few things that they really, really like to do. Um, but obviously, the the key to this matchup is Markun versus Jankos, right? And mm. we'll get to see we'll get to see what they have planned because SK have been a team that have always been very well prepped in the best of ones. Um, 
you know, now that Swift has been promoted to, to head coach. Um, and what I will say is they probably got very good prep for us. So, so we'll be looking at our own patterns and seeing, seeing if there's anything there. So, uh, so looking forward to the series. Um, uh, and, you know, obviously I, I feel that we have unfinished business with vitality. So, um, it's been frustrating that we can't spend more time studying vitality, but you know, you have to respect SK first, right? So, uh, so, so that's what I would say for this weekend, looking forward to the game. Um, but it's, I would say heretics are more chaotic, SK are more structured, and the people that the person that gives SK their what's the word their spice is Markun, and the person that gives heretics its structure is Jankos, right? So mm. that's 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 the two directions that the teams will go, and that's interesting narrative. But I don't know. We'll see at the end of the day which of those two things comes out on top. What do you think of this matchup, Kira? Who do you like in this one? Yeah, I'll help you reframe that, Peter. You, your team didn't want to give too mo any more of their late game information away, so you, you, yeah, that you told them run it down, right? Okay, don't give it away any more intel. It's like, it's like you don't need to be a one-one. That's that's how you frame that one, mate. Okay, yeah. that's, that's the line you go for. Okay. Yeah. Um, so interesting, Rich. Me and you were praising what looked like Markun's like prepping for other jungles oh, yeah. uh, during FK's mids. Flat, right? Well, none of that showed up for playoffs because mm. he failed the Malrang litmus test. Basically, he got handed. I was imagine an exam at university, and basically, if you fail that exam, you get an even harder exam instead. That's what's happened to Markun. He's failed the Malrang test, and he's now just been given the Yankos one. Congratulations, mate! You played yourself. Uh my I would think they're probably going to lose. By my guess, I think the pieces on FK Gaming outside of uh, Exekick and Markun have been like really overrated. I think Irrelevant uh, might be one of the most like overrated players I've ever heard in like the LEC like ever. I I'm not saying like he's bad. I like is he that just... highly rated? I feel like yes, Irrelevant yeah. <laughs> like he's no, just no, a guy, he is, isn't he? Like, no, no, no. Like Dom and that are t we're like talk Dom and stuff. We're all talking about how like he's like it's unbelievable how like smart he is and like how good he is and all that. And oh, like fair enough. For, I I don't know. I I, I wasn't really. I wasn't really seeing it, my pleb view. I, I, it wasn't for me. It wasn't my to my taste. Because uh, to me, yeah. SK. Sorry, before we got to me, you SK have like the two what I would call default players in LEC. They've got irrelevant as a top laner who he's not going to excite you, but he won't typically interweigh your prosperity or chances of doing anything. And Certus, who most of the time, again, he's probably not going to lose you many games. He's probably not going to win you that many games, but he maybe could. They're just like default solo laners. And obviously, I think it's hard to like win LEC if you don't have especially like a spectacularly good mid laner. But yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I, I, I have I'm to say so outside... We're talking about players like these, by the way, because like, what the fuck are you doing in the servers? Like, actually then win me like some games. I see like some players that they <laughs> fucking trip over and win their team some games. Like, okay. Certus did, to be like, fair. Didn't Certus pop up against Cap? Yeah, Certus has that, mate, Certus, someone who I thought shouldn't even be in the league, has played much, much better this year, by the way. Him and Nuclear and like, redeemed mm. themselves like massively. Dejan, not this much. Anyway, doesn't matter. For example, actually, Peter Dunn has a good player for this. So, Jack Spectra is on uh, Peter's team, okay? Um, he plays ADC, and this season, he actually, like, won them, like, games. Like, almost, 
not solo, but like you know what I mean, like yeah. carried. He really, was really, the really carried. Yeah. yeah, and he yeah. executed on those, right? Okay. And there was other games where he took like a back step, and he wasn't as much of a win condition. And there was ideas being played on the, on the rest of the map. Okay. Now irrelevant is neither of those things. Okay, where he is just the 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 grey area on the other side, what people call like weak side. That's like a ethereal term. Like the person's like a weak side like player, right? But it's baller, okay? Cause I don't even think he's good at that either. I think he's just not that good in general. If it, like, Odo is, like, a good weak side player, right? Um, People were trying to, like, sell you after they stopped, like, winning games. Wonder had become, like, a good weak side player. And he maybe was for, like, a period. But I'm for how they want to win the game. I don't actually feel, like, irrelevant. Is that, like, suited to like, doing it? Because I think... A lot of people have seen this team and they're like, oh, you're going to win through, like, Exakick and, like, Doth with, like, Markoon controlling, like, the early game. But I don't know... It just doesn't... It's not actually just looked as replicable as I think people thought it was going to be. Can I ask a quick question, then? A yeah. follow-up question to that? So you mentioned the, about Wonder and Odo, um, and obviously Adam's having a fantastic split. Um, so would you say that, like, that uh, irrelevant is, in your opinion, like the worst top laner in the in the, in the league. No, mate. Like, because I, I I've I've not really like scaled like scaled them like all. I think Wonder was really shit this year, mate. I, I was I'm so done on Wonder just getting to be a good player without actually having done anything like good. Like I, I'm just like completely like out on that. Like I think irrelevant was better than Wonder this year. Put it that way, Pierre. Okay, just to give you an idea. But what I'm saying is, is there's a difference between people are saying he's like good or like talking about him very like positively, where I think he's very like average. As in like, and if you're SK, if you're SK Gaming or any team in the LEC, I don't think you should be looking at like mediocrity or like a fill piece. I think you should be looking for like, like or trying to find like the best piece. And if you've seen Irrelevant and Misfits last year, I don't think, I don't know what transformation you thought he was going to make to be like, the player, the player, you know what I mean? You wanted to like win games, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, I see like, it slightly differently. I think first and foremost, generally, even though there are now a couple more top laners who can play a carry style, generally Europe is not the region of like, please win me games from top lane region. So I don't necessarily feel that that's his role or he feels that that is his role. Um, as I said, I also feel that sometimes as a top laner, as sad as it sounds, you can be providing your value by simply not being a reason your team gets behind right like there there is real value in that in this region but, oh, and i'm oh. by the way i don't i don't think irrelevance amazing i think last split on misfits or whenever it was when they, when he played on misfits i thought he was good for like for a rookie to come in and play i thought yeah played well like he could you could have given him rookie of the split i think jonghoon was a worthy winner as well but if they'd given it to irrelevant then sure whatever those are the only two candidates really this this year i feel like has he evolved in a meaningful or obvious way? To my eye, no, not particularly. Does he need to? Like, if I was to change something on that team, this is maybe the best way of putting it, I wouldn't be thinking about tinkering with the top lane. That would be well well down my list. I would be thinking about other areas uh, in terms of, you know, support. And by the way, I'm not calling these players bad or anything, but I think Exekick is an excellent, excellent AD carry who yeah. is not made better by his support. Um, I think that Certus 
is a serviceable mid laner but i think in the lec one of the regions of the elite mid laners that's just sometimes not enough it is what it is maybe he is the irrelevant of top lane maybe he's even a bit better than the irrelevant of top lane in that sense in terms of like pure ability it just so happens that mid lane is a very heavily talent stacked position so they drop down because of that as well markoon obviously has certain deficiencies like in late game decision making i would say um versus how well he's often able to sort of skull out early game pathing um, but I think those are like the more things that I would focus on and think of like, that's why SK has a ceiling rather than irrelevant. I think that you have to go pretty deep before you get to my ordinary top laner is holding my team back in LEC. You know, that's how I see it. No, but I, 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 I that can be like true, right? But it, you can also have the upside. For example, and I know like no one, like people did expect them to do this. But okay. I think the best player on Team Vitality is actually Photon. I think Photon's arguably the MVP of the whole league, by the way. Like, from the regular season, the ninth best game, I went back and, like, rewatched them. The guy is, like, an actual miracle worker. But he's not actually played around. He's not playing, like, like carry picks like Fiora, even though he does play carries. Um, but he's what colloquially people would call, like, weak side. He's actually, like, doing it, but, like, carrying game. Carry weak like, side, yeah. Sure. Yeah, carry weak side. I, like, the words, like, people, there's not a very good lexicon in, um, in League. In Dota, we'd call him, like, we'd call it, like, a farming offlane. Um, where a irrelevant isn't that thing, and so I'm critical of them because I see what can be done. Do you see what I mean? Like I see there's an abstract, um, uh, uh, like difference of like upside of what like can be done and can be achieved. So essentially, essentially, you believe there are aspects that although he's serviceable, he's not tapping into these things that other players have tapped into, and therefore yeah. he's limited himself. Yeah, yes, exactly. Again, that that's just part of it. Another part of it is it's like. When you're SK gaming, okay, that well, I, when I look at this team, this is actually going to be a really good matchup actually for irrelevant because like Eva into irrelevance for me anyway is actually really interesting. Uh, it's like a really uh, going to be a really cool dynamic. Um, you have two of like the best pieces arguably in Europe, with like a bunch of what people would describe as average pieces around them, right? And it's like, what are you actually going to do from here? And did you actually think these were the pieces that are going to like lead you to like win the league? Because remember, SK Gaming's thing, Rich, is like to win the LEC. Now it may or not be, but like, like it should be. That's what you're there like to do. And I don't know how those like pieces are like picked up as. And so I was from this. I'm just talking about in general from this period. Irrelevant basically just looks like the almost the exact same player that he did on Misfit. Okay, so I won't go too much onto this split because I don't want to give too much away because we've got a game in three days. But I would say for Irrelevant last split on Misfits, he was basically that Misfits team just played only through VTO. And I would say that Irrelevant was by far their best player in playoffs out of the five people that are on that roster. I think he really, really stepped out hard stepped out hard in playoffs. And, you know, I've got Mercer on my team. You know, I, I, uh, I think Mercer's a, a really solid player with a lot of potential but make no mistake irrelevant was the best misfits player in playoff it wasn't vto it definitely wasn't neon it wasn't uh i, I would disagree i think he, i mean it's like uh not agenda um what's his name the jungler fuck the russian jungler zanzara zanzara um i, I think they threw away like two ga two games a piece and like playoffs one game against g2 and one game completely against Fnatic. 
Well, uh, I, I mean, okay. Well, all, all I'd say for, for 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 my side is that I felt that he was doing really well in his one v one. He was transferring pressure really effectively. So, okay. so I. But I, I mean, you, you could argue. I could see the argument the other way. But but for me, um, for me, I think irrelevant is somebody who is very measured in his approach. And you know, frankly, not being as good as Photon is, <laughs> you know, it's it's. Uh, it's, it's, it's not it's, you just being as good as, yeah, sure, sure, sure. as as playing in, in such a way that will result in your team winning more games. Sure, of course, of course, I understand, right? But but what I would say about irrelevant is when you watch him in like uh, we can watch the replays in, in Clan, right? And he's the thing I would say about irrelevant is he's very logical. Like you can always well, see. I've got to go for a second moment. Yep. Oh. No Okay. <laughs> Carry on. We we won't wait for him. It's all okay. Good. Okay. I mean, all, all I'd say about irrelevant is that uh, you know he's very logical in what he does, and I would say that SK as a team are very logical in what they do, but they give flexibility for XK and team fights and Markun just on the map to do what he wants. Right. It's set up the way that they've set up their team is to give Markun as much freedom as possible right if we were talking about football we'd be talking he'd be the guy with the free role he'd be the playmaker guy and you know uh having irrelevant in your team is a very important part of that so that's what i would say in irrelevant spot defense so moving on to the other matchup or the other matchup that we know of of course which is going to be astralis bds which you know couple of weeks ago a matchup kira would have described as constipation versus diarrhea <laughs> you know but uh how things change eh so both these teams somehow made, some it in, uh, made it out made it into <laughs> made it into a gsl and i think this is you know a somewhat interesting series i wouldn't say it's like some super exciting marquee matchup that you know i can't wait to see or whatever but it's still i think a, a, an interesting series i would wager that probably uh, if you were to go onto a betting site or something, that BDS would be uh, favourites for this. Um, so, Peter, I kind of want to ask you, like, how... I, f- I feel like this is maybe the team where this most applies, or at least the theory most applies. How legit of a team do you feel like BDS are versus how much do you think they're kind of riding a temporary wave, let's say, of, of, of performance and confidence? Like, what, what, what do you actually think of BDS as a team? How competitive do you think they are? Oh, talking to Evi, um, he thinks that Adam is basically... I'm not going to say how high, because I don't want him to get uh, hatred or things, but he thinks that he's one of the best top laners in the league. Like, I, I knew Evi would think that. I, knew Eve, I fucking knew Evi would think that by me. That is so... <laughs> Fucking obvious, man. What I mean, the- obviously, obviously, the the ergot, the ergot Lily, a top lane player, will think that the guy who has his pocket picks is going to be. I've <laughs> <laughs> just sold on that as well. There's definitely one, maybe two top laners that most people in public would rank higher than him that he thinks he's better than. I'm not going to go into more detail than that. Um, but what I would say is that you know, look. When we were talking about SK, we were talking about how Markun it's set up for Markun to do what he wants, right? And BDS yeah. set up their mid game for Adam to do whatever he wants, and he's been delivering the split. He does a lot of he does a lot of crazy things on weak side, um, and a lot of cheese things. You know, he reminds me a bit of Whipper. What do you mean by that term, by the way? Can, can I just quickly? What do you mean when you say weak side, by the way? Do you mean like number the advantage side? Like, what does that mean to you as a coach? Just to unpack that. So. 
So basically what you do when your team is playing away from you, right? Like, you know, okay. there's there's three things essentially you can do on weak side, which is you can try to cheat the waves, you can try to uh, defend, or you can you can just drop, right? And go, go to the other side, right? Like this, or, or go to mid. Um, and I think Adam's decision-making is very decisive. It's not always... Mm objectively correct but it's very <laughs> it's definitely decisive right and like i mean thank you for unpacking that yeah. <laughs> um i mean what i would say is he he basically whippers it uh and uh <laughs> rich will know exactly yeah. what that is, what is i mean fucking, by that it's a fucking call. <laughs> uh, but, but he uh you know you got to respect it and you know sometimes in this meta just being decisive in your decision making is is good right and he definitely has I mean, all I will say is that nobody has played more Darius or Olaf games in the entire world, right? Uh, in competitive, what, so. What to be alive? What to be alive? Uh, uh, both of those picks are good in the meta, right? So, um, you know, fair, fair enough to him. Um, I think BDS, yeah, live or die by by how their top laner plays. Um, yeah. I think Shio will be a very, very good jungler in the coming years. I don't think he's there yet, but that's a guy that has incredible potential as well. Um, and obviously, you know. Crowny is the guy who provides the structure, right? So, um, uh, again, uh, I think I think that they're a solid team. I think the uh, they're very high variance, and that means that they can take games off G two. I don't think every team in the league can take games off G two in the best of series, but uh, but BDS are definitely one of those. Um, the question is, does do Astralis have? enough prep to be able to contain Adam. Uh, and if they do, then I think they'll win on the bottom side. Um, but, uh, you know, Adam does a lot of crazy things, right? Like that you can't really anticipate. And, you know, I think both of the teams are going to have spent so much time prepping for each other's intricacies that whoever wins is going to have had basically zero time to prepare for Mad Lions. And I think Mad Lions will just win mm. because, you know, you can't... Uh, because yeah, they, they they didn't the other teams didn't have enough time to prep yeah. for, for them. I think BDS of the two teams, if they beat um, Astralis, Astralis could like high variance randomly maybe beat Mad Lions <laughs> because they've got a better like as you said like they've got the variance to beat teams that are just ra better than them sometimes. So if if any team was to go forward of the two to beat Mad Lions, it would have to be BDS. Yeah, that, that's definitely the much more interesting matchup to me. Yeah. Like Astralis Mad doesn't seem particularly interesting on paper um to the points that you made peter I, I think this to me is like lessons for life in terms of like when you're speaking to um just teams in general especially if they're lacking confidence or whatever i think adam is the epitome of the old adage of like it's better to fully commit to a bad idea than it is to half commit to a good idea like he will just make the decision and go in and if people follow him then you know it you know it, obviously it's not counter strike it's not like a super reaction based game in that sense but at the same time it's reaction of decisions and if you're slow or hesitant or don't fully believe to put it more uh, you know uh, abstractly in a play then you w will often get caught out i always maintain that the single biggest uh, aspect or strength that the 2019 g2 team had was that someone would identify a window to do something it wasn't necessarily a good call but they would all just no care just go in and do it and act on it i also think that the rogue malmo final was a perfect example of this as well like people talk about like how well Maoreng played and i think he played well 
but I would say he made like seven out of ten good decisions, three out of ten terrible decisions, but every single time everyone just went in with him. So I think that this is this is something that obviously Adam has fully embraced and I think it works for him. I do think at the very top, top, top of the pyramid, that isn't enough. I would say that if you've got a really well-drilled team with really good players and a, another really good top laner, I don't think just the fact that you are really willing to go in all the time wins outright. But I think at this this stage, I think that's a good thing. I also think that the bot lane, for some people, again, not for me, because I was all over this like a rash, the bot lane has been surprisingly good in the 2v2 for a lot of people. I think that they actually look pretty decent. You know, you might even say they looks like they've played together before. Uh, so I think that's that's been decent. And as you both indicated earlier, Nuclear Int, like, I'm not saying he's an amazing mid laner, but he's a revelation versus what I had to put up with, you know, split in splits gone by. So, yeah, he's no longer some chronic crutch or weakness. And I think, again, that's not meant to be a, a sort of a backhanded compliment. I, I would go beyond that and say he looks decent enough like you know he doesn't look terrible he looks all right so yeah i think i think i would definitely favor them what what do you think kira like what what would be if you're playing devil's advocate and you're saying you wake up tomorrow or whenever not tomorrow after the game and astralis have won how would astralis have won this series mm, uh, dejar was put on like a low economy pick <laughs> that can be effective when people don't have a lot of gold gold because he's fucking useless uh I they caught and then like you need to get Kobe onto like ADCs that have like either like long range or have like high like f efficacy they can at like high uptime of um like constantly being able to deal damage like uh like Zaya, Sever, you know what I mean? Like anything where he can hold the burden of the damage required to get through like Drake and Baron setups. Um there could also be like Basically, the two most surprising junglers for me this year were like with Shiwa and 113. I thought 113 would be a lot worse than it actually was. Props to him. Congratulations, mate. Like, you were you were serviceable. And then Shio, I didn't think he'd be anywhere near as good as he was. And he was, like, pretty good. Uh, and gen uh, generally, like, obviously, Crowny was a lot better than I thought he was also going to be. Yeah, uh, so Crowny, yeah, they were really good. These teams yeah. are obviously revelations for where I had them at. Uh, Astralis is just. With the way things are, I wonder because like Finn has a large champion pool, or like claims people claim he has like a large champion pool. The efficacy of that champion pool can be debated. I wonder if Astral, one of the ways Astralis will prep is that you like give Adam his like pick, his like shortfall picks, and you attempt to counter pick with, with Finn. Or the problem is going to be they're going to just hold the final pick for like Adam and counter pick on last. But if you counter pick on last, then Astralis might be able to pinch most of the Adam champions. A lot of I Adam would say that the idea that you uh, try and counter pick with Finn sounds horrendous to me on paper. XL. That like, that's, Bro, that's literally what XL tried to do in multiple playoff series. Well, how did that go for yeah. him? How did that go for them? I, exactly. I I, <laughs> as a concept, the idea... I think Finn is... This is going to sound a bit harsh. Finn's almost like Adam Light in that there's only really a couple of champions I truly trust him on. And uh, yeah, I None I don't... I think going deep... I think going really deep into top lane pool, even though in some ways it's it sort of a... It, it doesn't make sense because Adam doesn't have the biggest pool particularly, but neither does Finn. I feel like you've got to manage that lane 
in a different way than hoping to counter Adam by giving Adam one of the champions he can play. Like, if you're going to tackle Adam in the draft, surely there's no scenario in which he ends up with his favorite picks. That seems kind of illogical to me. Sorry, I, I, feel like, I mean, I mean I, I'd say two things. Firstly, um, I think that they'll try things in draft, Astralis. Like, I was so it was literally Mac's birthday and it was game three. Uh, so obviously I was cheering for Mad, but it was um, they pulled out Cassiopeia Twitch, and it made it very hard to cheer for Mad Lads. I really wanted that to work out. It didn't work out, but you know they they tried something new. Um, Kobe is somebody who can definitely pull out mages in the in the bot lane. Although I think for Astralis, it makes it really hard for them to win if he's on a mage. Um, I would say that Finn, obviously Finn's two be two like famous champions are his Irelia and his Kled. I really is very good on this patch. Kled is decent into Adam's champion pool. So, you know, it's not impossible that they could get value out of the counter pick there. Um, I mean, all I would say for for Astralis is, if you're telling me Astralis beat BDS, it's probably because Jonghoon picked something or was able to win. Because, you know, Jonghoon has good pike. He has a good bard. He clearly has, you know, he's played some Twitch. You know, who knows what he's going to pull out next, right? So... So I think we can so, drop that one off the list of uh, <laughs> potential wait, picks. Wait, was that his Twitch actually? Wait, was that his Twitch good? No, it's not about. I mean, it was fine. <laughs> it's not about. So to me, that wasn't about how. Oh, can Jonghoon play this or not? It's like, oh, turbo useless is Twitch support, man. Like that. That to me just didn't look good at all. What? As a. I wasn't. I'm not sure if I agree on that. Maybe I'm remembering the wrong game. I, I, I think I, as well. Like I know, I know they were behind or whatever, and it's not like a completely fair reflection. But it did strike me just how completely ineffective and low damage it did when it actually got off a perfect flank. I know it I know again they were behind, and it's not like the twitch was ahead or whatever. But he basically was healing the enemies with his uh, his damage at that point. And I was thinking. How could this possibly work? Like, this is a perfect window. I'm still expecting it to go bad, but I'm feeling like in this moment, I will see what could happen if they weren't really far behind. And I literally saw uh, it might as well have been a Soraka auto-attacking. It was just, it was ridiculous. Yeah. It, terrible. I, I mean, part of the value of Twitch as well is that you can roam to mid uh, and try yeah. to influence mid lane matchup. And mid lane matchup was Azir versus Karma, right? What's the Twitch going to do for the Karma? I mean, he can't do anything, right? So, so I think they lost a bit of value there. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, two v one. The two v two meds also just fucking cursed as well. Yeah, yeah. Like shield nuclear and as an actual existent two v two. The best yep. thing. No, actually, I'll praise them on this because no, no, I've actually found praise for Dejar. I found that Dejar is actually very good at covering his jungler's camp for when he's when the other jungler goes to invade. Like the other, the opposite camp. Dejar's I mean, actually good at co at covering for this because he done it for Xerxes and he also does it a lot for one one three as well. And it, there's something that he consistently does well. There's an upside. I mean, all I will say is he did have a very good gaming game too. He had like a really good pop off Silas game, and you know, I I think he was better than useless is what I would say in this series. Um, it's not that so... he's useless. I just don't think he's very good, and I think nuclear is just better than him across the board. And I think two v two, and isolated two v one situations, nuclear and uh, shield are good enough to expose it. I I mean, we'll we'll see. Uh, I I mean, there is a world where I can see Astralis winning, but it's oh, yeah. either 
it's either it's normally it's probably going to be because Jonkins had a really really good series. So yeah. um, I, obviously I'll be interested for that. I, I you know depending on whether we win our series or not, I may not want to watch another game of League of Legends that day. Um, but uh, but yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, actually, uh, even though Kira has jumped the gun and run off, we will actually leave it there today, guys. So uh, that'll be it from us. Uh, thanks for joining us, Peter and uh, Kira. And yeah, we will see you all next time. Thanks for watching.